It's been a while since I've heard a, such a deep southern accent. Let me get this straight. It's like, it sounds like home. New Silly and Willie Hilly Park. That sounds like my uncle. <laughs> yeah, so as I said, um, we're still taking signups for the New Philly Retreat. And so it's going to be a powerful time. Uh, the Right now, you can still register in the back after church. And if you have already registered after the service, you can register in the back. If you've already registered by this Tuesday, you need to make sure uh, to fill out your bus registration uh, so that we can get you there. Because we want all of you to be able to get to the retreat. And then also the full payment will be due, I believe, next, this upcoming Sunday. Uh, so everyone just keep that in mind. But I'm really excited for the New Philly Retreat. How many of you guys are excited for that? All right, if you got your Bibles, I want you to open up and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Making our way through. It's a little hot up in here, if we can get the ACs on. Yeah, today we had, we had a powerful time at Sunday Swim. I know you guys have probably heard it or heard uh, Cassandra say that. Sunday Swim is our pre-service prayer meeting we have at 2.30 p.m. every Sunday. And God really poured out his spirit in a powerful way at Sunday Swim today. And so I want to encourage you guys, if, you, if you've never come to Sunday Swim before, if you've never been here at our prayer meeting, come to Sunday Swim. It's always a powerful time. Today I want to talk to you about the art of spiritual bodybuilding. Mm. The art of spiritual bodybuilding. Turn to your neighbor and tell him you need to be a bodybuilder. I just said, tell your neighbor, you guys like looking up at each other's, you need to be a bodybuilder. Why are you all up in each other's business like that? <laughs> you know, you know, growing up, my, I, I talked about this, I think last week or two weeks ago, my uncle, my uncle is a b- bodybuilder. And so he, he's just like this huge individual, this massive man. He's like, he's my height, but he's like three times me. Maybe four times because I'm kind of skinny. But, yeah, he's big. And he always, growing up, he'd always teach me different aspects about bodybuilding and lifting weights. Things that didn't really apply. But he taught me a lot. And God really put on my heart today that he wants to speak to us because, yeah, maybe not all of us are bodybuilders. We don't know how to build up our physical bodies, although a lot of people in the church praise the Lord, are starting to do that because it's important to be healthy. Amen. Amen. Oh, yeah. Some of you guys aren't so sure. (laughs) That was a weak. Amen. You guys said stronger about being a bodybuilder than that. It's important to be healthy. Amen. Amen. But more, more so, even as important as it is to be physically healthy, it's important to learn how to build ourselves up spiritually. It's important for us to know how to build not just ourselves up, but to build up the entire body of Christ. It's interesting, you know, we, we know what we need to do to build ourselves up physically, but we don't do it. But most of us have no idea how to build ourselves up spiritually. And so I want to talk about that today. Everyone, let's look. We're going to read through the whole chapter of 1 Corinthians 14. We're going to talk about some controversial things today. We're going to talk about tongues. Shaba, shala, shala. And we're going to talk about prophecy. 
So we're going to read through, actually, we're just going to read through the first 25 verses. No, we're going to read through the whole thing. You guys can read. Let's do it. All right. So I'm going to, you read the first two verses and then I'll read the next two. We'll keep reading together until we get through the whole thing. All right. Actually, I don't want to do that. I changed my mind. I'm going to read it. You're going to read along. How about that? All right, here we go. Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God. For no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding, encouragement, and consolation. The one who speaks in a tongue builds himself up, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Now, I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets so that the church may be built up. Now, brothers, if I come to you speaking in tongues, how will I benefit you unless I bring you some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or teaching? If even lifeless instruments such as the flute or harp do not give distinct notes, how will anyone know what is played? And if the bugle gives an indistinct sound, who will get ready for battle? So with yourselves, if you're if with your tongue, you utter speech that is not intelligible. How will anyone know what is said for you will be speaking into the air? There are doubtless many different languages in the world and none is without meaning. But if I do not know the meaning of the language, I will be a foreigner to the speaker and the speaker a foreigner to me. So with yourselves, since you are eager for manifestations of the spirit, strive to excel in building up the church. Therefore, one who speaks in a tongue should pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. What am I to do? I will pray with my spirit. I will pray with my mind also, but I will sing praise with my spirit, but I will sing praise, but I will sing with my mind also. Otherwise, if you give thanks with your spirit, how can anyone in the position of an outsider say amen to your thanksgiving when he does not know what you are saying? For you may be giving thanks well enough, but the other person is not being built up. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. Nevertheless, in church, I would rather speak five words with my mind in order to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. Brothers, do not be children in your thinking. Be infants in evil, but in your thinking be mature. In the law, it is written by people of strange tongues and by the lips of foreigners will I speak to this people. And even then they will not listen to me, says the Lord. Thus tongues are a sign not for believers, but for unbelievers, not Thus, tongues are a sign not for believers, but for unbelievers, while prophecy is a sign not for unbelievers, but for believers. If, therefore, the whole church comes together and all speak in tongues and outsiders or unbelievers enter, will they not say you are out of your minds? True. But if all prophesy and an unbeliever or outsider enters, he is convicted by all. He is called to account by all. The secrets of his heart are disclosed. So, falling on his face, he will worship God and declare that God is really among you. Let's just stop right there for now. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, God, that you desire for each one of us to be built up in our most holy faith. But not just each one of us as individuals, but you want to build up your body, God. And I thank you, Lord, that today, God, as we talk about tongues, as we talk about prophecy, as we talk about these spiritual gifts that you have graced us with, I thank you, Lord, that each one of us is going to be empowered in a fresh way today. God, we ask for your Holy Spirit to move, that the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you would move, that hearts would be open to understand your word, to hear your word and to obey it. 
And we thank you for it, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So this passage, I'm going to continue on. I'm going to look at this whole passage is about prophecy in tongues. It's about spiritual gifts. And two weeks ago, I preached a message. I believe it was two weeks ago. I preached a message called Unwrapping Your Spiritual Gifts. And it comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, where Paul, he, he talks about all these different spiritual gifts that God has graced us with. And then he, he talks about how at the end of it all, it's really about bringing us all together. That these spiritual gifts are about us walking together in community. That these spiritual gifts God has given, it's not just for yourself. You know, every time we talk about spiritual gifts, everyone gets real excited because it's like, yeah, I want to know what my spiritual gift is. I want to walk in a greater fashion in my spiritual gift. But Paul, he talks about that, but he flips the script and he says, listen, actually spiritual gifts, they're not just about you. They're about you, but they're not about you. They're about everyone else around you. It's like they're about you and they're about y'all. You know what y'all means? How many of you guys know it? Y'all is like you plural, right? It's not a real word unless you are from areas where they use the word y'all. Like my family, my mother, that's the only word. She doesn't use you. She uses y'all. He's not, it's not about you. It's about y'all. It's about all of you together and walking in these spiritual gifts. But here in 1 Corinthians 14, Paul talks about two specific gifts. He talks about prophecy and tongues. Turn to your neighbor and say, Shalah, 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 Shalah. <laughs> Turn to your neighbor and say, Toyota, 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 Toyota. <laughs> Mitsubishi Galan, Mitsubishi. <laughs> Mitsubishi, Mitsubishi, Mitsubishi. Tongues and prophecy are very controversial in the church, especially today. The, a lot of people, they come to New Philly, and the reason why they... They leave. <laughs> a lot of times it's because of tongues. Like when I first came to New Philly, my first time here at, when it was called JSCM, I talked about it a few weeks ago. It was like surround sound tongues. You know, I was hearing tongues here. I was hearing tongues here. Mitsubishi, Mitsubishi. Hearing tongues here. Toyota, Toyota. And I was so confused. I was like, what are they talking about? I don't understand them. You know, like people come and they or they're in a charismatic environment and they hear people speak in tongues or they hear someone prophesy. You know, someone pulls you out and they're like they start praying for you. And they're like, I feel like God's saying you're supposed to take that job and, and marry that guy. Mm. And then they go up to, or yeah, you need to marry that girl. And they go up to her. and, Hey, you want to go on a date? No. <laughs> God lied to me. Prophecy and, and tongues are very controversial because there's been abuses of prophecy. There have been abuses of tongues. You know, anytime where I'm praying and the person next to me is praying in tongues so loud I can't hear myself think, that's an abuse of tongues. I'm like, shh. Shh. I can't even hear myself breathe. There's been abuses of prophecy. You know, it's well recorded of different men and women of God who have shared a prophetic word and shared a word out or prayed for someone. Maybe some of you have received words where someone prayed for you and they prophesied over you and it didn't happen. So what does the church do? The church concludes, well, that must mean that prophecy is not for today. 
Maybe you've never prayed in tongues before. And so because you haven't experienced it, your first your your conclusion is, well, tongues, eh, it's not for me. It's, t- it's for that super spiritual person over there, but not for me. You know, tongues, I, I don't really understand it. It kind of makes me feel uncomfortable. You know, I like speaking in words I can understand. Thank you very much. And so we decide or there's certain denominations or certain groups that decide that prophecy and tongues are not to not for today because it's been abused but how many how many of you guys know that the solution to the abuse of prophecy and tongues is not the removal of prophecy and tongues it's like authority right so many young people we have problems with authority because someone some pastor some leader maybe our parents they abused us or they neglected us and so we say, you know what? I don't want to submit to authority. I don't like authority. I don't, think, I don't think we need authority. And so we conclude that because someone has abused it, the best way to deal with it is just to remove it altogether, right? But the way that God deals with it is not to remove it, it's to correct it. In 1 Corinthians, what we find is there was a, a huge abuse of tongues. There was a huge abuse of prophecy. Actually, the context is that you had in the Corinthian church, you had the brothers, the men who sat on one side and the sisters who sat on one side. How many of you guys would like that on a Sunday? Only the married couple. (laughs) The other brothers are like, nah, I'm not trying to be like over there with the bros. I see them all the time. They had the brothers on one side. They had the sisters on one side. And then throughout the service, you had some really charismatic sisters, some really filled with the spirit, prayed 24-7, never slept, didn't eat. They fasted all the time. They were really loved Jesus. And they would step up and they would prophesy during the service. And then sometimes you'd have other people that would step up and they would speak in tongues in the middle of the service. And everyone's so confused. They were like, what? Sit down somewhere. You know, you'd have a person getting up and saying, no, that's not what God's saying. God is saying this. And then you had another person behind them that would sit up and be like, shalala, shalala, shalala. Imagine if that happened here in New Philly. You know, I'm preaching right now and someone just decides they're going to stand up and say, you're wrong. I'm like, Chris Prasad, please go pick them up and carry them out. Actually, Chris wouldn't even have to pick. He just, just pick them up by their ear. And so because there was this abuse of spiritual gifts, because there's this abuse of prophecy and tongues, Paul writes to them and he has to bring it into order. He has to correct the use of prophecy. He has to correct the use of tongues because if they don't understand how to properly use prophecy and how to properly use tongues, the church won't go anywhere. See, if we don't have prophecy, if we don't have tongues, if we don't have the spiritual gifts moving and and operation here, then the church isn't supernatural. It's natural. You know, God gave us spiritual gifts for a reason. He gave us spiritual gifts because he desires for his body to go out and be powerful. To manifest his heart in, in ways that are beyond our understanding. So I want to go over it. Let's talk about tongues. We're going to talk about tongues. And then I want us to talk about prophecy. Everyone look at at first Corinthians 14. 
1 Corinthians 14, verses 1 and 2, he says, Pursue love and earnestly desire spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. Especially that you may prophesy. For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God, for no one understands him. But he utters mysteries in the spirit. Let's talk about tongues. Tongues, that word tongues is the Greek word. It's the Greek word glossa. Everyone say glossa. We get the word glossary from this word. It means language, right? That's where we get the word glossary. Glossa or glossolalia. Everyone say glossolalia. And tongues are biblical. How many of you guys know that tongues are biblical? In Mark 16, 17, Jesus says, Jesus says, these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak in other tongues. Now, some denominations, they get this mixed up. And so they say, you got to speak in tongues to be a Christian. But Jesus doesn't say that you have to speak in tongues to be a Christian. He says that tongues, along with casting out demons, along with healing people, is a sign that comes with being a Christian. You know, here in this house, if you don't speak in tongues, we're not like, get out. We, we understand the words that you're saying, so leave. You're not speaking in tongues right now. You need to leave. We don't do that. Why? Because tongues is not, it's not a requirement for being a Christian. But Jesus says that it is something that accompanies those who believe. Meaning that it is a necessary aspect of living a powerful Spirit-filled Christian life. I didn't say it's a requirement. I said it's necessary. Meaning that if you want to see God move in powerful ways, oftentimes tongues comes with it. Maybe that seems controversial. Maybe some of you are like, I don't speak in tongues. What are you saying about my faith? Paul says it. He says when he talks about tongues first corinthians twelve ten. he says to another the working of miracles to another prophecy to another the ability to distinguish between spirits to another various kinds of tongues when you guys said shala 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 that wasn't speaking in tongues you were just saying shala when you were saying toyota 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 that was not tongues but there is a supernatural gift of tongues that god gives us and it, it shows itself in two ways. I'm going to give you the two ways. The first is a prayer language. Everyone say prayer language. And the second one is when tongues is accompanied with interpretation. And I'll give you a, a good equation for this. Tongues plus interpretation equals prophecy. So I'm going to give you three things about your prayer language. How many of you guys have a prayer language? I don't mean like when you close your eyes, you say like the same thing every time. Like Jesus, Father, Lord, we just bless you right now. But I mean like you have a prayer language, meaning that when you pray, there's an enablement of tongues, a new language that God has given you in order for you to connect with God. See, many of us, we don't have that. 
Many of us, maybe we never knew about it. When I first came and when I first became a Christian, I had no idea that there was a separate thing called a prayer language. I had no idea that there was something called tongues that God had given for me. And I'll give you three things about this prayer language. The first, your prayer language helps you to connect directly with God. First Corinthians 14, 14, it says that when I pray in tongues, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. Praying in tongues is a direct connection that gets your mind out of the way when you pray to God. You know, the biggest block that keeps us from having a a filled, vibrant prayer life, it's not it's not Facebook. It's not the devil. It's not thinking about what you want to eat. It's not it's not our smartphones. It's not the television. The biggest thing that keeps us from having a vibrant prayer life is our minds. You know, you ever sat down and you're wanting to pray and you're really wanting to pray. And all of a sudden you're just like, Lord, I just thank you. And then all of a sudden you start thinking about the other things you need to do. Father, I just come before you right now and I just pray. And then all of a sudden you start thinking about the food you want to eat after. You just ate actually before you started praying, but now you're thinking about food again. You sit down and you start praying and all of a sudden you're like, Lord, I just thank you for what's going Oh, man. Before you know it, you're on Facebook. And now you're feeling guilty because you got distracted. And you're like, no, I got to get away from this Facebook. This Facebook's demonic. It's not the Facebook that's distracting you. It's your mind. See, the, the Bible says that the natural mind is hostile to the things of God. And the Bible also says in Romans 12 that we are being transformed by the renewal of our what? Our minds. Meaning that what gets in the way of us having a real deep connection with God in the place of prayer is your mind. It's all these thoughts that start coming through your mind. All of a sudden, when you you want to go pray, you want to connect with God. And then all of a sudden, you're checking ESPN and you're checking the playoff scores. It happened to me last night. You know, I sat down and I was like, I'm going to get in. I'm going to the throne room. I'm going to pray. I'm going to go in deep with God tonight. And I was, even had my Bible. I was like, Lord, I just thank you right now. I'm praying all with my words. I'm just all up in there. I thank you right now. Wait, are the heat playing tonight? No, 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 no. That's the, that's the devil. I bind you, Satan. Lord, I just pray right now. I didn't eat. Man, I'm so hungry. I'm hungry for your spirit, Lord. (laughs) Hungry. I'm hungry. Oh, man. I was going to eat some chicken tonight. You guys understand what that's like? (laughs) Everyone, everyone's got a witness. Everyone's like, yeah. But see, what happens when you pray in tongues is, and even, even secular studies say this, that when you pray in tongues, the area of your mind that is activated is not your language center. Meaning that when you pray in tongues, there's a different place of you that connects. When you pray in tongues, there's a different part of you that connects with God. And it circumvents your mind. It, Paul says your mind is actually unfruitful, meaning that you don't have any idea as to what's really going on when you pray in tongues. But what's happening is that God is taking you out of the place where your mind is in the way. See, most of us think that we need understanding in order for us to have faith. 
We need, we think that we need to understand everything that we're saying in order for us to be connected with God. But God knows that faith comes first. Understanding comes later. And when you pray in tongues, what it is, is it is actually stepping out in faith and saying, God, I don't understand what's going on right now, but I want to connect with you more than I want to know what's going on. It's a direct connection with God. It's it's like that expressway line. It's the KTX from here to God. The second thing is that it connects you with the deep mysteries of God. First Corinthians 14, two, it says that the person who prays in tongues, he utters mysteries in the spirit. Romans eight twenty six it says, likewise, the spirit helps us in our weakness because we don't know how we ought to pray. We don't we don't know what to pray for as we ought, but the spirit himself intercedes with us with groanings too deep for words. When you start praying in the spirit, when you start praying in that personal prayer language, all of a sudden you're not just praying simple things. You start praying mysteries in the spirit. And what I mean when I say mysteries in the spirit is I mean you start praying the perfect will of God for your life. You start praying things that you would never pray for on your own. You would never sit there and say, Lord, send me to the middle of nowhere to preach your gospel. Some of y'all crazy. Some of y'all would. But most of us, we're not going to sit down and be like, Lord, you know what? Send me to North Korea. Lord, send me to Kazakhstan. Lord, send me to the Arab nations. God, send me there. Lord, prepare the way for my for me to be a greater financial giver. Prepare the way, God, for me to be a sacrificial giver. Lord, prepare the way for me to marry that guy that I would never consider in the natural. Lord, prepare the way for me to marry that girl that I would never, ever consider in the natural. You would never say that with your mouth, but you're sitting there, shalalaba, shalalaba. And God's like, uh-huh, I'm working on it right now. Mm-hmm. North Korea moving those blocks right now. If you had any idea what you were praying, you would shut up so quick. You start praying things that in the natural you would never pray. You start praying deep things. All of a sudden you go in a deeper place with God that you would not normally go on your own volition. So many of us are saying, God, I want to know you more. God, I want to go deeper with you. God, I want. And he's saying what you need is a prayer language. What you need is to go beyond what you, where you pray everything you understand, because that's still controlled by you. You know, you go into your prayer closet with a list. This is what I'm going to pray for. And then once you pray for it, you close it and you're like, yeah, I'm done. Some of us go in with no list. Some of us go in with a list that only half of it gets filled. But when you go in with a prayer language, it doesn't matter what's on your list. You're praying what God wants for your life. And see, God's will, it's a good, pleasing and perfect will. It's actually better for yourself than you could plan. See, I know I know some people who don't who who have the gift of tongues, who have received the gift of tongues, but don't pray it because they're afraid <laughs> of what God really. Of, they're afraid that if they pray it, God's going to send them, you know, he's going to do he's going to do something or say something they don't want to hear. But 
The truth of the matter is when you start praying in that deeper prayer language, God begins to connect you with the deeper desires on your heart that you didn't even know you had. The real things that motivate you, God begins to bring to the surface. God begins to connect you with. The third thing, when you you pray in your prayer language, it builds you up and strengthens you in the spirit. How many of us want to be strong in God? For. 1 Corinthians 14, 2 says the one who speaks in a tongue, it says he builds himself up. One, wait, no, no. 1 Corinthians 14, 4 says the one who speaks in, tongue, in a tongue builds himself up. You know, you always, you feel discouraged when you feel beat up, when you feel like everything in your life is happening wrong, when you feel like you're being tempted, when you feel like Satan's coming at you. The first thing most of us do is we want to talk to somebody. Right. We need somebody else to talk to us, to speak into our lives. You know, earlier this week, I was feeling so discouraged. I was feeling so discouraged. I was just getting attacked left and right with different lies. And I I spoke with I sat down with some friends. I sat down with with people that I could just be vulnerable with about it. And I was just telling them everything that I was going through. And they were giving me comfort. They were telling me the right things. I knew it was the right thing in my mind. You ever had that when someone's telling you and you know it's true? But I couldn't receive it. I was listening and I was like, yeah, yeah, that's true. Mm, yeah. Mm. And when I left, even as much as I tried to shift myself, even as much as I was like, I know that's true. I couldn't, I couldn't get there. It was like there was this block. It was like I couldn't get to that place where I needed to be, where I knew everything they were saying was right, where I could really comprehend and understand it. And then as I was preparing for this message, God said, listen, why are you always going to other people to build you up? I've given you something where you can build yourself up. See, most of us don't know how to build ourselves up. A lot of us, we're really good at giving other people encouragement, but we don't know how to give ourselves encouragement. We don't know how to strengthen ourselves in the Lord. We don't know how to build up our spiritual selves. And so when discouragement comes, we're pulling on other people to help us. But God has given you something that can help you help yourself. And it's called that prayer language. There's something that God wants you to learn how to even stir yourself up. Paul writes to Timothy and he said that he needed to fan into flame the gift of God that had been given to him. He didn't say, Timothy, go to someone else to fan it. He said, Timothy, fan it yourself. In 1 Samuel 36, I love this. I love this verse. It says, and David was greatly discouraged for the people spoke of stoning him. You ever had anyone threaten to stone you? Like that's discouragement. Like we come before people, we come before God like, man, somebody looked at me wrong. God, I'm broke. God, I ain't married yet. God, my family's acting crazy. David, they wanted to stone him. Has anyone come up to you and wanted to beat you up with a rock? One person. That means that 99.9% of you, no one's ever came up to you saying, you keep on, continue. 
The people were threatening to stone David. David was discouraged. I would be discouraged. You got 50 people standing outside your place like, what's up? What's up? Come outside, David. Come outside, Marcus. Marcus, we see you hiding in that closet. We see you. Come out. I'd be discouraged. I would be. I call my mama. Mama, they outside with stones. I can't get out. Call the police. Korean police don't do anything. Just kidding. Some of y'all getting offended. Don't get offended. Blessed is he who is not offended. It says that the people spoke of stoning him. And because all the people were bitter in soul, each for his sons and daughters. Not only were they upset at David, they were upset at his kids. They wanted to stone David and his children. He had reason to be discouraged, but it says, but David strengthened himself in the Lord. It says David encouraged himself in the Lord. Ephesians 3, 16 and 17 says, I pray that God will strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. See, discouragement attacks faith. And when you get discouraged, when you get beat up, the next thing that seeks to go down is your faith. You stop believing. But God gives you a prayer language so that when you start praying in the spirit, you start praying in tongues, all of a sudden your spirit man begins to get built up and you begin to get encouraged in God. You begin to encourage yourself again in God. And then all of a sudden that worship song that you couldn't sing before, now you can actually sing. Before that prayer that you could not pray, you begin to be able to pray it because you're being able to get strengthened in God. See, that's what that's what tongues is for. And it's for every believer. It's for everyone. Paul says, he says, I want you all to speak in tongues. He didn't say, I just want the pastors to speak in tongues. I I just want the leaders to speak in tongues. He said, I want all of you to speak in tongues. So when we say, oh, well, tongues isn't for me, I don't want tongues. Paul said, actually, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. But when we say, well, I don't really want tongues, tongues isn't for me. What we're saying is my experience is greater than the word of God. My I'm going to match the word of God to my experience rather than saying I will raise my experience. See, God wants you to raise your experience to go to a higher level that matches the word of God. If you don't pray in tongues, God's saying to you today, you need to start desiring it. If you don't have a prayer language, God is saying to you today that you need to begin to earnestly desire it because it's for you. Jesus died on the cross. He sent his Holy Spirit to empower you that you would speak in tongues. That sounds crazy, but it's true. What about prophecy? Let's talk about prophecy. You know, every, everyone wants to prophesy, right? I talked about that a couple weeks ago. We love the, you know, the Miss Cleo, like the fortune teller. Call me now, free reading. We all, we all want to know the future. We all want all this. But, and so prophecy is like, oh, I, I love prophecy. I'd love to get a prophetic word. But God desires for all of us to prophesy. I said earlier that 
tongues plus interpretation equals prophecy. First Corinthians 14:35 says the one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues unless what well, no, First Corinthians 14:5, sorry. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues unless someone interprets so that the church can be built up. So sometimes there's this gift of tongues that goes out where a person gets up and they start speaking in a different language. And then there's interpretation. I talked about, I told you before about how when we went to, we sent a team to Indonesia and they were praying for the keyboardist. And as they started praying for the keyboardist, the spirit of God comes on them and he starts speaking in Chinese. And he's like, you know, ni hao. Ni chao yo, shema it. I took Chinese. Uh Uh-huh. Y'all didn't know that. I took three years of it, and I only know three phrases. Don't judge me. They pray for him, and all of a sudden, he starts speaking in this other language. He starts speaking in this other language, and they're not knowing what's going on because he's crying. He's crying, and he's speaking. And so they're just like, yeah, bless him, Lord. Continue, Lord. And then one of the sisters walks over and says, I understand what he's saying. And then all of a sudden, she gives interpretation And those two things together is prophecy. But there's not only just tongues and interpretation, but also another form of prophecy is just pure when someone prays for you and they begin to speak the heart of God to you. I'll tell you what prophecy is. Prophecy, 1 Corinthians 14, 3 to 4, it says, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding. That means their edification, their encouragement, and their comfort, their consolation. The one who prophesies builds up the church. Paul says we should earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you should prophesy. How many of you guys earnestly desire to prophesy? You earnestly desire to grow in that spiritual gift. You know, prophecy is meant to build you up. It's about God speaking in the areas of your life to comfort you, to encourage you, to, to build you up and to edify you in ways that you cannot get on your own. You know, most of us seek prophet, prophetic words primarily for direction. But the sole purpose of prophecy is to build you up. God wants to use you to build up other people and to be built up yourself. And that's what prophecy is for. You know, I was, I was, I've received a ton of prophetic words in my Christian walk. I've been a Christian now for, it'll be seven years in, in August. But since that time, each year, God has released different prophetic words. The first prophetic word I ever received was on my birthday, a year after I'd become a Christian. And I was in Korea and there was this woman by the name of Hannah who came and she, she picked me out of the crowd. She comes up and she begins to pray and she starts praying and she starts praying for my mom. And, uh, you know, I'm a mama's boy. So I cried a bit, like a a little choke him. I cried. And then she starts praying. And actually the recording, I don't hear, I can't really hear what she's saying. All I hear, because the, the recording was a little jacked up. All I hear is Pastor Aaron and John Michael on the recording. All I hear is like Pastor Aaron. She's like, yeah, yeah, amen, yeah. And I'm like, I can't hear what she's saying right now. And then I hear John Michael. I won't imitate you, John Michael, since you're right here. But, (laughs) 
And she, she begins to speak into my, she, she tells me, she says, you've been praying for your mother. I've been praying for my mother. I was like, that's true. She's like, you've been praying and you've been contending for your mother. You've been believing that her transformation is going to come. And God says, don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. Even though it may take some time, at the end, it's going to be very powerful. And I took that and I was like, wow, man, that's awesome. Yes, you know. And then, and then I get a prophetic word later on from other people. I've gotten prophetic words about my life, about ministry. I'm sure many of you have received prayer where someone picks you out. And we do that here at New Philly. And when I got that prayer about my mom, I want to tell you the next six months was so hard because it seemed like everything that was happening in my mother's life was going directly against that word. And so I began to hold that word up to God like a ransom. Like, God, you said you were going to change my mother's life. God, you said you were going to bring breakthrough. God, you said you were going to do this. Don't we do this a lot of times when when someone when we receive a prophetic word? God, you said you were going to bring breakthrough. God, you said that this was happening. God, why isn't it happening right now? And that's because we misunderstand the purpose of prophecy. Even today when I was praying, God was reminding me once again. He was saying, Marcus, the purpose of prophecy is not to give you this direction. It's not even to be fortune telling. The purpose of prophecy is for God to speak into your life and say, I'm with you. The purpose of prophecy is for God to come into your life and say, I'm standing with you right now exactly where you're at. The purpose of prophecy is so you know that God is with you. We have a policy here at New Philly that's, you know, it's no, no babes, no babies, and no dates. Meaning that when you pray for someone, you never pray for, you never pray about someone's future spouse. Saying, you know, oh, your future spouse is going to be, they're going to look like this and they're going to be like this. You know, and you don't pray, oh, God's going to give you a baby at this particular time, and they're going to do this. Or you don't pray, I feel at, on September 17th, 2013, you're going to get that job. Why? Because we've had foolish people that do that. <laughs> and then what begins to happen is we begin to take those words and we hold them up to God as a ransom. And we begin to say, God, why aren't you moving right now in my spouse? God, why didn't I get pregnant? God, why is this not happened on this date? God, why haven't you done all these things? And, and then we hold these things up to God. When that's not why God brings prophetic words. Primarily, prophecy is not for direction. Prophecy is for edification. It's to build you up. When you're discouraged and you receive a prophetic word, sometimes it can be as simple as God loves you. I remember the first time someone prayed for me and said, God loves you. I misunderstood prophecy. So they put the, Marcus, I feel like God's just saying he loves you. I, was like, I knew that already. Like I read that all the time, but give me something else. And I walked away and God was like, you're holding my word in contempt. And we misunderstand that what prophecy really is for is for God to say, listen, I'm with you. I'm before you. I'm beside you. I'm behind you. David said in Acts 2.25, he said, I saw the Lord always before me. He's at my right hand that I may not be shaken. In Isaiah, you want to hear a prophetic word. Isaiah was a prophet. Isaiah 43.1-2, he says, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I've called you by name. You are mine. When, the, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. Through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned, and the flames shall not consume you. That's a prophetic word. 
He gave another prophetic word in Isaiah 52. He says, for you shall not go out in haste and you shall not go out in flight for the Lord will go before you and the God of Israel will be your rear guard. Meaning that God is with you in everything that you go through. That's prophecy. And God desires for each and every one of us to prophesy in that way. When's the last time you prophesied? Another thing about prophecy, it reveals the secret things of the heart. First Corinthians 14, 24 to 25 says, if all prophesy and an unbeliever or outsider enters, he is convicted by all. He's called to account by all and the secrets of his heart are disclosed. And so falling on his face, he will begin to worship God and admit that God is before you. You know, when you speak in tongues, if all of us start speaking in tongues and someone walks in who's not a Christian, they're going to be like, y'all are crazy. But when you prophesy into someone's life, what begins to happen is they, they begin to recognize that God's with you. I'll share a story with you. It's a very recent one. A couple Sundays ago, we prayed, we prayed for someone. And not too long ago, we prayed for someone. And, and he, he, had, he wasn't a Christian. And he didn't, he didn't know... He didn't know God. He, he's just, he was just kind of exploring through different things that a friend had spoken to him about. And we, did, we had our time where we were praying together. And we had our corporate intercession, like how Cassandra led. But sometimes during corporate intercession, we'll pick people out of the crowd and invite them to come up. And so we picked them out of the crowd, and we begin to pray for this brother. And so we begin to pray, and we're just praying. It wasn't like, you know, thus saith the Lord. God is saying to you right now. It was just speaking to the issues of his heart, the secret things that were upon his heart that he had never told anyone. And then, he, you know, he didn't cry. He wasn't shaking. He wasn't on the floor. Nothing like that. Just said thank you and went back to his seat. But after kind of being like, well, that was eventful. You know? Like, I expect, like, thunder, lightning, call. God is here. No, it didn't happen like that at all. He went back to his seat. And then after church, he walks up to me and he says, Pastor Marcus, thank you for whatever it was that you did. And I was like, you're welcome. What what did I do? He said, I just don't know how you guys knew I don't know how you guys knew what those things how did you know those things about me and about my life I've never told anyone those things and I just looked at him straight in the face and I said well I don't know you like that I'm not I'm not on your Facebook I'm not stalking you I don't know any of your info that would be creepy that creeped me out all I can tell you is God's after you God's after you and God wants you to, he did that. He pointed you out. He spoke into your life because he wants you to know that he's with you. He wants you to know that he loves you. He wants you to know that he died for you on the cross. He wants you to know that his love for you is real. And then I shared the gospel with him. And I just shared, I just shared really simple that Jesus came on earth, God becoming man. He bore our sins. He took it upon the cross. He died and resurrected. I looked at him. I said, do you? that anyone who believes in him will be saved. And I said, you want to accept Jesus into your life? He stopped. He thought about it. 
I was like, okay. And he looks at me straight in the face. He says, yes. Yes. I was like, come on. So we went, we went and grabbed some seats, and I led him through the sinner's prayer. And at the end, he's like, amen. Yes. I was like, yes, you know. I was like, give me a hug. Like, listen, you know, just looked at him in the face and said, welcome to the family. You know why that happened? It happened because prophecy. But it wasn't boom shock. It was edification. It was encouragement. It was comfort. And it was revealing the secret things of his heart. So how do you how do you walk in prophecy? How do you how do you get this prayer language even that I talked about or the gift of tongues? Some of you, God's going to enable you with tongues that will come with interpretation. How does that happen? It comes by being filled with the Holy Spirit. In Joel chapter two, verses 28 to 29, it says that and it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams and your young men shall see visions. Even on the male and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit. I'll tell you, I'll give, I'll close with this. And this is my story. Many people come to New Philly and they assume that our church is everyone was charismatic. Everyone grew up in a Pentecostal spirit filled environment where people speak in tongues and people prophesy. And they assume that that was the environment that all of us grew up in. That's not true. Most of us actually did not grow up in that kind of environment. I didn't grow up in any church environment. So when I showed up, I thought everybody was weird. But there was one Sunday when I came to Korea in 2008 and I remember what happened was that I came and Pastor Christian, he had put me on the tech team. He put me on the tech team. He put me in the back of the sanctuary doing the slides. And it was a powerful service. It was an awesome time. And he invited people to come up to receive the feeling of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, for, the Holy, for God to pour out his spirit upon them. And he's praying for people. And as he's praying for people, he looks up and he looks up and he looks to the back and he goes. And I go. You want them, man? You know, and he's like, no, you come up. Like, no, I'm good. I'm good. Everything. He's like. And so he looks at me, he points again. He says, come on. All right, I'm gonna come up. And so I walk up. And I'm walking up and I'm thinking, I don't know, what does he want me to do? Like, do I need to move some chairs? Like, is he asking me to get some blankets? Like, do I need to sweep the floor? I'm finding, I'm, I'm walking up to him. And even when I walk up to him, I say, oh, so, so what do you need me to do? <laughs> and he goes, he goes, just stand here and pray. Start praying right now. And I was like, oh, okay. And I just start praying. But it was really weird because as, as I was walking up, by the time I hit like the fifth row, I f- start to feel this, this presence. And I didn't know what it was, obviously, because that's why I asked him what, what I was supposed to do. And so I start walking up, and as I'm walking up, I start feeling this presence, and I start like, you know, 
I didn't even realize it at the time, but I was starting to cry a bit. Even when I was asking him what I was supposed to do, I was like, what, what do you want me to do? He's like, he's like looking at me like, oh, weird, like, just, just pray. And I start praying. And I start praying, and he's praying for other people. But the Spirit of God was so thick in that place that as I begin to pray, God began to start bringing up hidden sin in my life. Stuff that I would have never confessed, stuff that I had completely hidden away, stuff that I never brought to accountability. He was bringing up sexual sin. He was bringing up drugs, stuff that I had not told. Like he was bringing up stuff that even in my H&D had not come to surface. My healing and deliverance had not come to the surface. And all of a sudden I'm sitting there and I'm just confessing these things. And I don't even know why I'm confessing them. I don't know why. I just feel that God wants me to get rid of these things that are deep inside of me. These things that I've been holding on to. These, these patterns that I've been just latching on to for comfort. And I just start confessing and confessing. And by this time, I get to the end. And by the time I get to the end, Pastor Christian comes and he lays his hands on me. And he lays his hands on me. And he doesn't say much in my recollection. I don't remember much. But as soon as he touches me, I just feel the Holy Spirit, the power of God just comes upon me like a like like it says, like a mighty rushing wind, like water being poured out from heaven. It just comes over me and I fall to the ground. Now, I had never fallen before to the ground. I didn't have a history of falling. You know, you go in and you see people falling. You think, oh, well, that's just what they do. I didn't know that anything like that. I felt a need to fall and I started falling. And the person who was behind me to catch me did not catch me. (laughs) Pastor John Michael. (laughs) He just let me go. Now, nah, he didn't let me go. It was it, the power of God came upon me so suddenly. It came upon me so quickly that I just flew all over the place. I flew back and my head hit a chair and I'm on the ground. And as soon as I got prayer, all of a sudden tongues, I was praying in tongues. I didn't know. I didn't know what I was saying. I couldn't get up. I tried to get up, but the presence of God was on me so thick that when I tried to get up, I couldn't. I felt the weight. The glory of God is in the Hebrew is kavod, is kavod. It means weight. And so when God's presence shows up, it does feel like a weight. God's presence is real. It's not just something you, you read in the Bible. And so it's just in the history books. God's presence is real. And when it came, it came upon me, I was there and I was praying in tongues. I had no idea. My mind was completely unfruitful. I was asking, what's going on? I don't know what's going on. My, mind, my mouth is praying something different. I get up after about 10, 15 minutes, and I'm, I'm, I'm different. Something about me is different. I knew I was something about me was different because I could hardly walk back to my seat. And I sit down, and I'm praying, and then all of a sudden, I start speaking to this brother, and I say, Hey, uh, I don't know what just happened, but my mouth was saying stuff that I've never said before. He said, That's called tongues. He opened up the Bible. He began to show it to me in the scripture, just as I did. Just as I did just now. And he says, it's a language. It's a prayer language that God's given to you to cultivate and cultivate intimacy with him. Like learning Chinese, you got to practice it. And so I went home and all of a sudden I realized I had a fresh fire to pray. And so when I went in the prayer closet, I realized there was a fresh desire to come before God, a fresh desire to live a different life. 
And then also something else came as well, not just tongues. But then when I started praying for people, God began to reveal things to me that I could have never seen before. All of a sudden, God began to reveal things to me that and I began to see things and the secret things of people's hearts that I could have never seen before to encourage them and build them up. See, if you want to go deeper with God, you want to move in your spiritual gifts. It's not going to come from trying harder. It's not one of those try harder kind of things. It's something that only comes by the free gift of God's spirit. I want us to pray right now.